Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Hello, Koinonia. Welcome to our service today, our time to connect together. And I am excited to bring us the word today. At the, the, today, the beginning of our week of prayer and fasting, as Pastor Nathan just said, and I'm going to dive right into the message and into this topic for us today. Have you caught what my title is? Have you seen it anywhere posted yet? The title for this morning's message is, If You Are Alive, Pray. If you are alive, pray. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious what it speaks out, right? It's enough is said right there. If you're hearing my voice, if you hear me quoting the title, then I encourage you to be praying. We are to be people of prayer. My desire today is to urge you to focus in on, to draw your heart toward, to call us to pray. Because this week, we have designated as our week to take time to fast and to pray. We do this at Koinonia right at the beginning of a new year. We take time to refocus on God, to refresh our our ears to hear from God, to refocus on his vision, and to listen for his heartbeat. It is needed right now more than any time in history. We need to be people who are praying and listening for what God is speaking into the midst of our time. What I would summarize this message down would be into this one line. That we are to pray all the time so that when prayer is needed, we'll already be praying. That's how I'd summarize this morning's message. Have you got it? Will you take that away? That we are to be praying all the time so that when prayer is needed, we will already be praying. What I'm going to do this morning in our message time is I'm going to show you what prayer does in a critical hour, a time of need. I'm going to show you what prayer does. I want you to hear from two of my friends that talk about how prayer inspires them. And then I'm going to invite you into the opportunities that we have this week to be a church community that's praying, that's fasting, that's focusing on God. So take your Bible. uh, Open it up. If you've got a paper copy, great. Open it up to Matthew 26. If you've got an electronic copy, uh, open it up to Matthew 26. I want you to hear and see the words directly firsthand in your own copy of Scripture, the Word of God. Because I do believe God has given us instruction. He's given us examples. He's given us inspiration for how we are to live, and it comes from His Word. Matthew 26, the title at the top of my passage, reads Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Enough said? (laughs) If you know the events that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, I probably don't need to elaborate on them, but it's always good to have a refresher. What I want to show you in this chapter entitled Gethsemane this morning is that from the moments that are captured in this chapter of Jesus' life, I want to reveal to you how some of his disciples had murder on their mind. Some of them were thinking of betraying him. And many of them were thinking of just deserting him and running away. And even in those moments, Jesus was grappling with, how do I walk out the will of the Father God has given to me? 
This chapter reveals critical moments in the life of Jesus and his disciples and why prayer was needed. Let me give you the context of chapter 26 in the book of Matthew. The context is these events happen on Thursday night of this particular week. Jesus had just been celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. And as he did, he introduced them to something called communion. The Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, something that we as a church community participate in on the first Sunday, typically, of each month. Well, Jesus introduced it to his disciples, and while he was doing that, he revealed that one of them who was in their midst, Judah, one who was a part of the 12 of them, was going to betray him. He then told the 11 disciples that that very night, on that Thursday night, they were all going to run away and desert him. And they objected to it. They said, surely not, Lord. We're we're not going to leave your side. He told Peter. Peter was one who said, no, even if I had to die, Lord, I wouldn't abandon you. And he said, Peter, even you are going to deny me. You're going to deny me not once, but three times. If that were you, and you were listening into Jesus with these words, and you were contemplating what he was saying, what would you have done? Would you have tried to respond and stop some of the the things he was predicting were about to happen? How would you have reacted in those moments? The next event of the day, Jesus took his disciples after that meal and that time together. He took them into this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he took them there and he said, Wait here while I go a little further and while I pray. And going a little further, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And as he took them aside, he said to them, watch and pray. Keep watch with me here. Chapter 26 reveals some of the events that happened and unfolded. Let me read them. Starting at verse 30, I'm going to start right at 36. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away, and a second time he prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more, and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here come our betrayers. I want to share with us from this chapter in this message today 
I want to share with us what these moments reveal to us of the importance of prayer. I'm going to highlight four different aspects that I see jumping out of these verses. The first one is pray when you feel totally overwhelmed. Verses 38 and 39 reveal that Jesus felt totally overwhelmed. He felt a burden that was heavy upon him. Verse 37 says, Jesus felt sorrowful, troubled. He was overwhelmed even to the point of death. Think about the the mental, the emotional, the spiritual weight that Jesus was expressing he was feeling. Overwhelmed to the point of death that he didn't think he would survive these moments, these next hours. He said, that's a time for us to pray. The second thing I see jumping out of these verses is pray when you feel tempted. Verse 42 specifically. Jesus came back to his disciples and he said to them, couldn't you keep watch and pray for one hour? Pray so you do not fall into temptation because he said, the flesh is weak. Jesus was pointing out that in a time of temptation, we should be in prayer. What do you think they could have been tempted to give into in those moments? Maybe to give up? Maybe just to give in? Maybe to do their own thing? Maybe to do something the opposite of what God was calling them to do? We know in these critical hours that Judas was tempted to betray Jesus. And he eventually went through with it. You'll see in the verses that follow. We know that Peter was tempted to actually kill somebody in defense and protection of Jesus. And you think, what? Peter, a murderer? Surely he wouldn't do that. But he was tempted to do whatever it took to protect Jesus. Jesus was even feeling, or may have been feeling, the temptations of, I don't know if I can go through with what the Father has called me to do. He says in the verses that follow that he could have called 10 legions of angels. That means 120,000 angels to come and rescue him and get him out of that weight that he was under. So maybe he was wrestling with the temptation of, do I go through with this or not? Because the author of Hebrews says to us in chapter 4, Jesus was like us in every way, tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he was without sin. I think what kept Jesus from sinning or giving in to temptation to do his own fleshly will was because he prayed and stayed in communication with the Father. Let me give you the third aspect about prayer I see from these verses. Is pray and admit your need for the Father. Verse 42, Jesus said, If it's possible to take this cup from me, but if it's not possible, then Lord, may your will be done. Father, I want to do your will. If it's possible, I'd like to do anything else, but if not, I will do your will. And I believe in those moments he was leaning in on the Father's strength, grace, provision, power to walk him through those critical moments that he was facing. Jesus knew he was here to fulfill the Father's will. And he knew this was big. He knew he was called on to offer his life as a sacrifice for the entire world. So this was not any small feat that he was called to. It was a time for him to prepare And the way he prepared was by praying, calling out to the Father. And lastly, 
what I see in this passage about prayer is that we are to pray even when we do not see the immediate results evident for us. We're to pray even when we don't see immediate results. Jesus prayed, it said three times he went away and prayed and came back to his disciples. And, and so you think that the father would be hearing his son's prayers, right? You think if anyone was to have his prayers answered, surely it would be Jesus. And yet when Jesus finished praying, the sun didn't come out and shine on them. Evil didn't just disappear. All the, the deeds of opposition didn't just go away. In fact, when Jesus finished praying, what was approaching him was Judas leading a whole contingent of religious leaders and Roman soldiers. They were coming toward him. And in that moment, God was fulfilling what his, the next steps in his plan and purpose was. But Jesus was about to realize the fullness of the disciples deserting him. The accusations that would be against him would be false. He was about to experience persecution and then crucifixion. Jesus was praying to gain strength and focus during these critical moments that were weighing on his spirit and his soul as he was looking at the cross that was coming. Do you ever think to yourself, well, if Jesus knew all the things that were coming, what was the point in praying and asking God to change all that was about to happen? You know, why would Jesus be praying if, if he knew ultimately he was going to end up on the cross? You see, what we need to realize is prayer isn't about us pleading and invoking God to change the future and what's about to happen. Prayer is about us turning to God and, and telling him our faith and our hope is in him. And asking God to strengthen and empower us for what we are about to walk out in our lives. When we pray, his plans, God's plans, his purpose, his grace, his strength is like a download into our hearts. And it focuses us then on his heart and his plan and allows us to walk out what is yet to come before us. Have you ever felt overwhelmed in any area of your life? Maybe you felt overwhelmed, like Jesus describes, to the point of great sorrow. Think about the moments you've gone through in life when your mind was flooded with an incredible weight of heaviness. Did you pray? Was it already a pattern or an automatic uh, response for you that when anything happened, you engaged in prayer right away? Did you start talking to God in the crisis moment you were facing? When your decision-making ability was clouded, when you were confused, when, when your emotions started to overwhelm you and you thought maybe you were flooded with tears as you started to think about a new reality because of the, the, the overwhelming situation you were in, even in the midst of shock, was your immediate response to pray. Jesus didn't hold back when he was even sorrowful to the point of death. He turned to the Father in those moments. When his sweat drops became like drops of blood, in those moments he was still patterned to turn to the Father and ask the Father to lead him. Let me approach this and apply it in a little different way. Have you ever been tempted to do something that you knew was wrong, dishonest, disobedient to God? 
whatever it was, whether it was to lie, to cheat, anything. Have you ever been tempted to do that? Was your thought in that moment to pray or to go through with what your flesh wanted you to do, what your mind was telling you was okay, what the world was shouting at it, don't worry about it, no one will see you. I think this happened for Peter in these moments. Peter was, he had just said, Lord, even if I have to die, I will not desert you. And then along comes this whole mob to arrest Jesus. And Peter grabs out his sword. And I believe in that moment, Peter was tempted to kill, even to defend Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Peter was a fisherman. He was not a soldier and a swordsman. He pulled out that sword and, and I don't think he just was going to nick off the, the, the servant's ear. I think he was intended to plunge that sword into anybody who was opposing his master and his teacher. Thank God he didn't, wasn't successful in killing anyone. But Peter was tempted in that moment. I read a fiction novel a couple of years ago about Judas. And it posed the idea, it, it floated this thought out there, that what Judas was actually doing was he was trying to push Jesus to the forefront. He thought, what is one way that I could get Jesus to be the militant leader that we all need him to be? What is one way that I could get Jesus to rise up and be the king on this earth and everybody would just have to bow to him? Maybe if I pushed the, the agenda a little bit. Maybe if I urged some things and pushed his buttons and, and, and just stirred Jesus, he would respond then and he would call some fireworks down from heaven and he'd wipe out any opposers of God. That's just a theory. But Judas went through with the temptation that was stirring him that day. For 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus. Have you ever felt like you cannot do life anymore on your own? I see this feeling in Jesus' descriptions here that he was sorrowful to the point of death. He was troubled in his spirit. But Jesus knew what to do in these critical, crisis, chaotic moments. He knew to pray. And that's what we see his pattern doing. So think about it. Back it up. Back up the script a little bit, the events that were happening. What if the disciples hadn't fallen asleep? What would have been the different outcome? What if they had prayed instead of rested? What if Judas had, had prayed? What would that have done to his temptation to betray Jesus? Or Peter, who pulled out his sword and was ready to kill? Or Peter, who, who denied Jesus and ran and hid? What if he had stayed awake in the garden and prayed? What would the outcome have looked like differently? I thought of this verse this week. This passage came to me as I was praying and preparing for this message today. But also as I was watching the events unfold in Washington, D.C., I thought about this passage. It came to my mind. In Washington and all the events that surrounded its Capitol building this week, there is much hatred, there's much blame, there's much judgment that is just flying all around from Tuesday and through all the events and on media and, and social networks and platforms as well. There's suspicions, there's theories, there's a lot of questions about why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? 
There are many videos, tweets, and eyewitness accounts that are floating around and saying, did you even see within the mob that was coming to the building, there was a group that broke off and, and they had evil intent in their eyes. Well, there's no doubt there is an enemy of God's at work and active in this world. We are told that our battles that we should be most concerned about are actually the ones that are going on in the spiritual realms that are trying to mess with us and destroy us. Ephesians chapter 6 is a clear picture of how there is a spiritual battle going on that is meant to mess our world up, that is meant to divide churches and countries and families and people and individuals. There is a real battle happening in the heavenly realms, not only for your soul, but for every person in this world. Rebecca and I can test to this in our personal lives because during the month of November, God called us to pray very intentionally just about a personal matter that we had for 30 days to pray consistently and regularly throughout our day. So I can tell you about the victory we began to experience, the battle in the spiritual realm that we faced in those 30 days, and then the outcome of freedom and deliverance. It's a real thing. Do I, as a pastor, have an opinion about the events of this past week? Absolutely. Do I have theories and summaries of what I think was unfolding? Well, possibly. Could I say some things that would address corruption and evil and inequality? Yes. Do I feel overwhelmed by the condition and the state of our, our world, our neighboring country, our own country and its challenges? Definitely. May I, I can answer all of those questions in the affirmative, positive, saying, yes, I, I think I can respond to all of that. But I believe what my response is right now is that we should pray. We should be people who are praying, who are watching and seeing, because the moments are chaotic, and there's crisis happening, and it's just escalating and growing. In the heat of the moment, like in this situation in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was hard for the disciples to hear the words, just watch and pray. They wanted to do what their flesh was feeling. They just wanted to lay down and sleep. They were tired. In the moment of crisis, they wanted to respond with flesh and with swords and, and fight back for Jesus. But Jesus said, watch and pray. Even though he knew what was coming, he still encouraged them to take time to pray, to get in tune with the Father. To hear what the Father is saying to our hearts because you know that the enemy is going to want to stir our hearts in a different direction. I am here this morning to call us to watch and pray today, this week, for us to fast and pray, to set aside whatever it is that might be a typical comfort, might be an easy default for us to go to, and take that time instead to ask God, what is he saying in the crisis moments of our, our days, the chaos, chaos of our world and our situations. We are starting today a day of prayer and fasting. And it's totally up to you. You are free to choose and discern with the Father what you will set aside, what you will leave behind and, and, and replace that time with a time of prayer. You discern and decide that. Use wisdom in it. But we're going to come this week and take time to ask God to lead and posture our hearts so that we can hear his, his voice, so we can follow his vision for us as a church community right now 
in the day-to-day, week-by-week decisions that are needed. But then so you can discern by the leading of the Holy Spirit how God would have you walk out your life with what is ahead and what you're to focus on. Practically, then we start to think, well, how do I pray this week? What do I do? What does it look like? I want you to hear from two of my friends that I had a brief conversation with and captured our conversation on video. And I want you to hear how they are inspired to pray. The first one you're going to hear from is one of our 2020s, our young adults, Jeanette Kipfer. She's on our staff here at Koinonia. And I sat down with her and had a little conversation, and here's what she shared with me. Hey, Jeanette, I know you were away last year and you had a bigger prayer experience than you've ever had before. And that's what I want people to hear from. So where were you last year? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to go to New Zealand for one month to do a YWAM internship all about prayer. What was it called? It was called One Thing Internship. So as you so OTI. OTI. And so One Thing Internship. So you came to focus on one thing and that was in prayer. Um, can you even give us what, what did a day look like for you in this internship? What did you experience? Um, so we did, we had a bunch of like different classes, but we had a lot of time in the prayer room. So it was either corporate prayer together, or there was a lot of time just spent just you and God, just literally sitting at his feet and being with him. Hmm. And now I hear you say you had a lot of time in the prayer room, but is that like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half an hour? What does a lot of time in the prayer room mean? Um, so within a week, we had about 10 hours in there. So mm. sometimes we'd spend four hours at a time just in the prayer room mm. at a time. And sometimes it was two hours or, but it was kind of bigger chunks at a time. So, yeah. Yes. So, wow. So four hours in the prayer room and then perhaps 10 hours in total for the week. So what did you learn from your experience? Because that was four weeks of mm-hmm. that kind of daily experience what yeah what did you learn about prayer yeah so I learned a lot about prayer but I'd say there's kind of three main things that really stuck out to me so the one was just how prayer is ultimately about connecting with God and I think it was just they're just focusing on how like prayer is literally for us to fall in love with who God is Mm -hmm. to be fascinated by him and just to sit there and listen to him and it's not just about reading our request. Because mm. they were telling us that when you encounter God, like in prayer, it'll cause you to come back a lot more than just waiting to hear his replies or responses. So it's all about just connecting with him. And another thing I learned was how prayer is a conversation with God through the word. Mm. They talked a lot about like how powerful speaking out scripture is and like praying that out because mm. We know that's on God's heart because we've seen it in the Bible. We've seen like him do works and everything. We see Jesus like do miracles, like things that he's done through the Bible and the apostles' prayers. Like praying those out is so powerful because we know it's on his heart. So scripture is so important when we pray. And the last thing I learned was how interceding for others is so powerful because Mm -hmm. no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. And the most influence that we can have is actually to intercede and pray for people because we're literally going on behalf of someone else to God and praying for them. And it's, there's so much power in that. So Jeanette, Jeanette went for four weeks away to learn about prayer. She went, left her family, uh, left her job, uh, left her regular routines and schedules. And she went for four weeks to go to this 
one thing internship, to focus on one thing, and that was God, and to learn how to pray and talk with him. And did you hear what she learned out of that experience? That experience that led her to spend anywhere up to 10 hours in her week just in, in prayer, in the prayer room, in the prayer chapel, on her knees, praying out to God. Did you hear what she learned through that experience? She said they really focused on a relationship with God. Prayer is about falling in love with God. When you spend that amount of time with somebody and listen to their heart and they listen to yours and draw your heart in, I do think that a love, um, the draw of love deepens that relationship together. Jeanette also said she learned that prayer was about a conversation with God of praying out his word, scripture, taking his words to us and praying some of them back to him. And that became powerful for her. And Jeanette, I want you to know from what I've observed of you over this past year and seeing what you've learned and your passion for the word, you've inspired me this week during prayer and fasting to pray through the word more intentionally than I have before. And then you heard her talk about she was then stirred to pray and really intercede for other people. And she does. She regularly asks me, Brian, what can I pray for? What's going on in, in ministry, in church? What's happening in our community? Jeanette was stirred and moved to pray even more because she took time to pray. It began to grow in her as a typical daily pattern. So let me ask you, do you have a love relationship with God? This would be a great week to let him develop you and draw you closer in love with him. How do you spend your times of prayer? Do your prayers, are your prayers really short and quick and it's kind of like the length of your grace over food? Or do you take time to just say, Lord, I want to pray. Give me, give me your words. Give me, give me some of your words from your Psalms. What David prayed, I want to turn those into my prayers. And then are you stirred to pray for other people? Maybe you were thrown off a bit when you first heard Jeanette say, well, we spent two to four hours a day in prayer in the, in the prayer room. And you think, oh man, I can't do more than five minutes. Well, listen to this quote from Smith Wigglesworth at the turn of the century. Smith, a passionate evangelist, believer for greater things for God to do. Smith said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. So he didn't pray for hours at length, but he made sure he prayed regularly throughout his day, throughout his life. We are to pray so all the time, so that when prayer is needed, we'll already be praying. Do you hear what I'm talking about this morning? Let me uh, sh share from another friend, another conversation I had. This is with Jennifer Albrecht. Jennifer and Gavin have three kids of their own, and, and they've been part of our church community. And Jen shared with me recently about something that is taking her deeper in her prayer life. Listen to this interview with her. As I've gotten to know Jennifer, I appreciate her passion for prayer. And it's something that's very personal for her, um, something that she's really drawn deep into. And in having recent dialogue with her, I got to hear about something that is drawing you deeper into your prayer time. So do you want to explain what that is? Sure. Um, I've recently been doing communion every day. I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me to do that, do it every day for at least a month. And um, so that's what I've been doing. So you do communion before you get into prayer. What does that look like for us? Like, explain a bit what communion for you personally looks like. Sure, sure. So I 
I have this pretty little glass <laughs> and I have some wine and I have just a bit of bread. And in my time with the Lord every morning, I take time to take the blood and, and the cup or mm. the representations of it and just um, declare uh, as I'm praying for people that the finished work of the cross, so his body, his broken body is for our healing and the blood that he poured out is to cover us and to bring us life and mm. into this awesome communion with him. Mm. Yeah. And Jen, how has that affected you or changed you? Like, do you feel some increased oomph when you pray or yeah. the power of God? What, what do you experience when you start with communion? Yeah, it's definitely an hum a humbling experience mm -hmm. for me. Like, um, I've just realized that he has done it all mm. on the cross, yeah. but that he's chosen to partner with us, his children, to release his power and authority into the situations that he's asked us to pray for. So mm -hmm. when I'm praying for people, um, I just realize, wow, God, I am so honored to be one with you in this um, stealth operation. Sometimes yeah. it feels like. Yeah. And I imagine the personal connection between you and the father has gone deeper yeah. as you experience that. Yeah, I definitely feel closer and um, just almost sometimes like I'm sitting on his lap and just talking to him about what is on my heart, but what he's placed on my heart and just giving it back to him and just... Mm -hmm just loving on people through prayer with him. Mm -hmm. I want to thank both Jennifer and Jeanette for sharing with us some deeper insights. Uh, obviously, that was a little bit of an interview style, but if you talk to either one of those women, you can hear of their deep and intimate relationship with God that is drawn deeper and deeper as they just pour their hearts out in prayer with the Father. You heard Jen just expressing about communion. Uh, maybe you should think about doing something like that this week during prayer and fasting. Start your day with it. Maybe make communion a part of your noon hour prayer. Or maybe it's the evening before you go to sleep and you just want to commune with God before you close your eyes and rest. Think about doing something very intentional this week that would be coupled in with your prayer time that would really focus you on the Father's heart. We are starting into prayer and fasting week. If this is totally new for you, Go to our website to see about some explanation. Go to kcf.life forward slash prayer and fasting. You're going to read about prayer and fasting. You're going to see some of the events and opportunities that we have on this week. You can also look up some of the resources there. We have recommended reading. We have some guidelines for how to fast and pray if you've never done it or how to get more effective and focused in it. We actually this week have prayer morning, noon, and night. <laughs> One thing that going online in lockdown has provided is an easy opportunity to connect with each other on a Zoom call. So we're going to have Zoom calls at 7 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have Zoom calls at noon hour. We're going to have them in the evening. And you can join any one of them. And you can join all of them if you want to. You can join for five minutes. You can join for 30 minutes. You can join and, and listen in as other people pray. You may be called on by the leader in that room on that Zoom call to join in and pray out if you want to as well. There's opportunities for all of us to join in prayer and fasting this week. 
Listen to what God's stirring your heart in this week and step forward to pray and engage with him deeper. Use scripture, use songs of worship. Let it stir you and draw you to a deeper time of prayer. And something else I want to encourage you in this week is to ask God what to do about, uh, what to believe for in this year, 2021. We have something called our Target 2021 Cards. You can get them online this year. Go to kcf.live forward slash Target 2021. And you will be able to fill out uh, three things I'm believing God for. But don't just do it out of what you want. Ask God, what is he posturing your heart to believe for? That only with him is it possible. We will pray over these three things tonight. Because tonight, I invite you to come back for our Engage Worship and Prayer Night. We are going to do a Zoom call tonight. The link again is found at kcf.life. Go to prayer and fasting, and you will find a Zoom link where you can join us online. We're going to have the worship team again. We'll have prayer leaders. Rebecca and I will be leading from here on the platform. Other leaders will be leading right from their homes on the Zoom call. We would invite you to join it. You can find this call tonight also on our YouTube channel and on kcf.live.org. But we would invite you to, to join the Zoom call. Because then we can walk it out together, see one another, and experience what God has in store for us. Church, let me pray right now. Would you join me? Bow your head and your heart, and let me just lead us in prayer. Father God, we bow before you. We yield to you our our mind, our will, our emotions. Father God, we yield to you to trust in you and you alone. And Father, we invite you to lead us in this week. We want to be intentional to watch and to pray. We don't want to fall asleep. We don't want to give in to our body's desire just to rest because we're weary. We ask you to supernaturally empower and strengthen us so that we can pray. Father, we look forward to what you have in store for this week because we know that you will be with us. We will be right by your side. You will lead us through all that we encounter. God, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at your right hand. And now Jesus is ever interceding on our behalf in heaven. So we come to pray and meet with you, O God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, church, as you watch and pray this week. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.